So about halfway into this episode, I was like, this needs to be a two-part episode. You have no idea who I'm talking about, do you? Aubrey Monroe is on the podcast this week. If you don't know who she is, she is current Team USA's catcher. And she goes into all the things. So if you guys know Aubrey, you know that she's not huge when it comes to her stature. She's kind of small and skinny. Like she owns it in this episode. And she goes, I really wish that more catchers would realize that it's not about fitting a mold. It's about being who you are and being the best version of that. So this week is part one of our two-part episode with Aubrey. We talk about that. We talk about the mentality that she's had in order to make every single opportunity that's come her way something that she's ready for mentally. She talks about daily gratitude. And right now in this time and place that we are in in our world, these daily gratitudes that she teaches today might actually change your life and to start looking for more positivity. She even goes into in this convo about her relationship with her mom. And she truly believes that because her mom said it the right way and in the right order, her mom always started with saying something great to her before they went over the things that she could do better. So she talks about the car ride home conversation and how it looked like for her. And it's super insightful. And I know you guys are going to love it. So this is part one of the two-part series with Aubrey. I cannot wait for you guys to meet her. She is a light and she is shining bright. Here's my combo with Aubrey. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete, and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well. But now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just going to dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm going to have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are going to be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner, so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive. And that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us. Learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. If you guys are on YouTube right now, you can see her beautiful face. Aubrey Monroe is in the house. I'm so lucky to have you here. Thanks for coming, girl. 
I'm so excited. We just got to chat Me a little too. bit and catch up, and now we're, we're really ready. <laughs> I know. We, we got to the point where we're like, we need to stop talking and start recording because we are getting some good stuff out there. But yes. man, I've been wanting you on the show for so long just because of how genuine and authentic and just incredible you are. So this will be a really, really fun conversation. I'm excited to talk about USA, Athletes Unlimited, a lot of things that you're doing with Church on the Dirt. But before we dive in too far into all the fun stuff that we were talking about before, I'd love for the audience to really get to know you. And because this is a lot of parents and coaches that are like, coaching a bunch of kids, bringing up a bunch of kids, and they want them to be their very best self, a lot of them can learn a lot from stories. Mm -hmm. So I would love it if you can kind of share your story from when you started playing, like little young Aubrey, (laughs) to to where you are now. I know we just talked about how old we are now, but (laughs) take me through that journey from when you started to where you are now. Yeah, so I started playing, like I started t-ball when I was four years old. I, as a little girl, I was scared to try anything new. I didn't want to do anything. I cried when my mom signed me up for basketball, like everything. It was just a mess. But my whole family, like, played softball. My grandpa coached my mom and my aunts. My older sister played. And so, and my parents had gotten divorced when I was four. So we had lived with my grandparents. So I was really, really close with my grandpa. And it was like this thing that we all shared was softball. And so... I felt a little more comfortable trying softball because my sister played and I'd been out at the field a lot as like, you know, your typical younger sister. So I tried softball and weirdly enough, like I played t-ball and I, after that season, I don't know what made me think I was ready for this, but I was like, mom, (laughs) I'm over t-ball. Like, can you move me up early? I want to play 8U. And so I was six years old playing 8U and I was like, I had no business doing that like but my mom coached with another mom whose daughter was a pitcher and she was like the best pitcher in our division and I was just like this kid in right field like with my hands on my knees basically like not knowing what I was doing (laughs) and so but the way I really fell in love with the game at six years old was through catching and so our this is a story I tell everybody because it's so ironic and funny our catcher starts crying before one of our first games She's like, Jenna throws too hard. And Jenna's like, you know, our big pitcher in all of AU. She's older for the grade, and I'm like the youngest in our division. And my mom asks me at six years old, I'm a little like nugget. And she goes, Aubrey, what do you think about catching? And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like so little. She goes, I mean, you could wear the gear. And I see the gear, and the gear is what I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, this is cool. Like, let's do it. I want to wear the gear. It makes me feel tough. And so I started catching at six years old because the other catcher started crying. And I was the only one that my mom could force back there because I was her kid. You know, she can't force some other person's child back there in case they get hurt, but I can. So I get the gear on and I'm like covered head to toe. You can barely see any of me under this gear. And I was going to say, it probably didn't fit, right? Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. I'm like covered. And I go out there and the first pitch hits me right in the stomach. And everyone, like the coaches come off their buckets. They're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I didn't feel a thing. This is so cool. (laughs) And like Jenna was so scared. My mom, this is what's so funny about my mom is I tell people, my mom's name is Denise. And I tell everybody, I'm like, you guys don't know. Like Denise is really nice, but she's super hardcore. So she looks at Jenna, who's eight years old. And she goes, do not be scared. You need to pitch the way, because my mom was a pitcher. So she's 100% the reason I am the catcher that I am today because I learned at a very young age that it's all about the pitcher. Anyway, 
I caught two balls the whole night and you would have thought that I caught every single ball and was a total stud back there. But I was so excited. I remember vividly like skipping to the car after that game, like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. I ended up catching that whole season, randomly made the all-star team because all these other people like couldn't commit to the tournament schedule. I mean, so much of my journey from then on is like these random things happening that like, oh, Aubrey gets an opportunity because so-and-so couldn't show up or this, or, like just random things. But that's what really made me fall in love with the game is I, I've always envisioned myself behind the plate. I've always loved kind of what it's, it's where I felt most comfortable. It's where I felt like I really belonged. It's where I felt most confident and like where I really learned to be a leader. And so ever since I was six, I just fell in love with the game and it just kind of compounded on that being so involved. And so my mom used to ask me if I ever thought I'd want to pitch or play a different position. And I was just like, you know what, when I think about myself playing like a long time from now, I always see like my view through a mask, which is weird. Sounds kind of funky. But I always imagined myself like seeing the field like through the grill of a mask, which is funky. Mm. But um, that's powerful. Yeah, I love that. I don't know if I've ever shared that on some on like a podcast or anything like that before. But it was something like that I just really felt strongly about. And so I I had years where I would play other positions, or one there was one year where I like only played third base. I like never I didn't catch for like almost a whole year. Worst year ever. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I was like, oh, this is weird. And then um, I was catching again, and I just have always loved the leadership aspect of it and the communication aspect of just being involved. I love being involved in every pitch, and I knew I didn't want to pitch because my mom would have made me throw every single day. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't want to do that. Fell in love with the game that way. And let's see, when I got to high school, I was playing for one travel ball team, and it was, you know, recruiting was still – like it was getting to that earlier stages back then. And so it was like, all right, I have goals. I know where I want to go. Did not think that I was going to end up at Florida by any means. And going into the summer before my sophomore year, my mom and I were just kind of talking and we're like, okay, I think it's time to be challenged. I think it's time to try and level up a little bit where we're at travel wall wise. So we started going all these tryouts. I went to one tryout and I threw up, I was out of shape and it was hot and it was like the longest try. It was like a six hour tryout. I was blown away. Threw up and I remember crying with my mom, like, mom, nobody's going to take me. This is horrible. I'm going to have to go back to my old team after I told them I was going to leave. Like it was just a mess. And so, but that pushed me to work every single day for until my next tryout two weeks later. I was like, I'm never letting that happen again. I do not want to do that. And so I went to two more tryouts and they were just like, we don't need a catcher. We already have some catchers. We don't need a catcher. Um, mm-hmm. And finally, my last tryout, I'm going to say tryout because I'll explain that in a second, was with the SoCal Athletics under Bruce Richardson. And I went into that tryout thinking, all right, Aubrey, this is your last one. You got nothing to lose. You've got a fallback plan with this other team, but you know, it's not really the direction we're trying to go. So I was like, okay, you got nothing to lose. Go for it. And I remember playing with those girls and being like, this is cool. The coaches were so intense. My mom was thinking, well, these guys are going to be too intense for her. She's not going to like it. And I was like fired up. This is so awesome. And so afterwards, my mom and I are like, okay, we'll wait to see if they like call us or something. And the coach comes up to me and goes, we're having a meeting um, and we'd like for you to stick around. 
And we're like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, no problem. And then he goes, but I have to ask you, what are you doing here? And we're like, we're here for the tryout. And he goes, we don't have tryouts. It's like an invite-only team. And I crashed a practice. No. I kid you <laughs> not. I would, and so my mom and I are mortified. Like, we did not, I, like, the last three hours, nobody said anything. I'm just like, because the reality is their other coach was a friend of a friend who also came with me, but, like, they knew him pretty well. And he had said, oh, yeah, just come out. Come. It was kind of, like, offhand. Yeah, just come out to this practice. We thought it was a tryout. Turns out it wasn't. And so they kept me kind of like a stray dog. And oh my God. I was the... I was going to be the fourth catcher on that team, which seems kind of crazy. Like nobody needs four catcher, but I was just like, no, this is where I want to be. Like, this is, this is the place. Like I can feel it. They're intense. They're going to make me better. They're going to challenge me. And so then I stayed for that meeting and I, little did I know they were calling me walk on for a while. <laughs> Cause I, <laughs> I didn't realize that, but into like people who became like my best friends ever. And so just a long time of like, I didn't, really realized what had happened. And so I ended up staying with the SoCal Athletics through the end of high school. We won PGF championships all three years. Um, and that was, and I ended up catching all three of those championship games. And that's where I really, really learned how to win and what it meant to be a winner, what it meant to go about my business in a very like professional way. And that prepared me because I definitely would have ended up at, Flo- I would not have ended up at Florida had I not been on that team. And then I got to Florida and that's a longer story, but um, I just felt like I, I really knew how to compete and I knew how to handle adversity. I knew how to handle tough coaches. Like Coach Walton, I love him. He's a tough coach though. Um, mm. And I struggled a lot my freshman year, but I came back for my sophomore year like just hungrier. I worked every day that summer to be a better hitter because that's what had really held me back my freshman year. Um, and then we went on to win national championships my sophomore and my junior year. And then my senior year, I made the roster for Team USA. Again, like, no, I made the team because, not, it's not because, but I got an invite because of, like, six other catchers said no. Wow. So I got my invite in December. Tryouts are, like, the first week of January. And invites usually go out in, like, early November. My journey has been this a lot, mm-hmm. um, but in, in a really cool way, in my opinion. I've learned to really appreciate it because I think – Every one of those valleys really prepared me to get to that mountaintop and to appreciate it. And it's like just fostered character and drive and all the things that I'm really proud of and all the things that I'm like, that I really like about myself now as an adult. So um, it's been a crazy journey, but it's one that is not one that hasn't been without um, some really cool moments. And just kind of when I look back and I see how it all came together, I'm just like, how am I here? Like, how am I on the Olympic roster? It just blows my mind. So that was the long slash short version, I guess. I don't know. It was the perfect version, (laughs) if you ask me. Uh, Just because I have so many questions now based on the story itself, because it looks like you were just enjoying the ride, you know, like, and trusting (laughs) the process. I know people say like, trust the process, trust the process, but your story is literally the epitome of trusting the process. Like when you work really hard at something, things happen. When you accidentally go to a, a tryout, aka practice, <laughs> things happen. Like if you just show up, do your thing, go all out, like people notice. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people, they get nervous for like real life tryouts. Like we just got done with tryout season 
And I could, I put out a TikTok about tryouts. I kid you not. And so many people were like, I'm so nervous. What do I do? You know? And I'm like, if, if you have trouble, like not focusing, I need you to just like maybe pick one other person to compete against or really just do your thing Mm -hmm. and don't care at all about what anybody else thinks, which is a lot easier to say than do, but it helps you out. So like in, I want to know, like in that tryout that you thought was a tryout, what was your mentality? Like, do you remember like what was getting you through that, even though it was like super tough? It was a combination of, I have nothing to lose. Like just, this is your last shot, Aubrey, so go for it. And so, and then a combination of like weirdly feeling very settled in that environment. Like the way that they practiced, the way that they played, I was like, this is what I've been missing. You know, it was challenging. It was, I don't know. It was this, it it was just a combination of freeing myself up, holding very loosely. Like, okay, if I'm, we get in trouble when we get expectations and we hold really, really tight to stuff because we play tight Mm -hmm. and everybody knows whether or not we can like act on it. But like, everybody knows if you play tight, you're not going to be as good. But if you can play free and you can play loose, you'll be better. And so just kind of like finding a way to hold things loosely as like, okay, and I mean, I'm, I have faith. When I was in high school, my faith is, wasn't nearly what it is now. I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus or anything, but I still have this sense of, all right, well, at this point, it is what it is. I'm just going to go out and do my thing and give myself my best shot right now. Because if I hold myself back because of fear, if I hold myself back because of, I don't know, just like not wanting to look stupid, like I'm not going to get anything out of this anyway. So just mm. go for it. And then also, like I said, the combination of just like really thriving in the environment that they created competitively. And I've always been one, the older I got, kind of figured out that true like fiery competition is when I'm actually at my best, when I actually feel my most confident. Even if, you know, the the games leading up to that, that I'm not going to say they don't matter, but like, you know, they don't feel, they don't hold the weight of a championship game, of a, of a regional, of a super regional or whatever the games that don't hold that same weight for some reason, there's some, there's, it's just different. Like I, I don't feel like I play different, but there's something about peak competition that for me, I just, I, I find myself smiling more. Like when other people are like, uh, I'm just like feeling like, wow, this is, this is what I play for. This is what it's all about. And that's what frees me up. So it was kind of like a little dose of that, that day, which Mm. made me made the decision to be like, this is where I want to be, even though I'm going to be the number four catcher really easy. Like I want to compete here uh, like as a number four catcher, bef- like more than I want to be a number one catcher somewhere else. I want to, yeah. I want to work my way up. I want to earn this. And I ended up earning the starting spot in the championship game that summer. So it's, I don't know. It's been this story of kind of being counted out, being an underdog for a lot of my life. And then like slowly but surely without anybody noticing rising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And shout out to your mom for knowing that it was time to move on. Yeah. I think too many really good about that. I I love it. I honestly, my dad made that decision for me. It was sophomore year going into my junior year. Mm -hmm. Cause at that point I was like, I really do think I can play D one, you know? And my dad was like, well, the team that we're currently on, even though we are so loyal to them, we've Mm -hmm. been playing with them for six years. That's like, not everybody on that team wants what you want. And so like, it can be, a challenge. And so my dad was like, let's just go to this tryout for one of the best teams in the Midwest and like, see what happens. And just like you, there were 70 girls there. Like 
me thinking, I don't even know what the heck's going to happen, but I know this girl's going to Notre Dame and mm-hmm. I want to play with her. So like the whole day, I'm like, I, I want to be, I want to beat Jenna in every competition, even though I lost because she's super fast. Like, so like all the races we did, she blew me out of the water, but I was trying to keep up with her. And I feel like that's the same mentality that you had, like mm-hmm. the, um, just loving the competitive environment, loving to be challenged. It's so funny that you say that because I think my best games are always against like the biggest teams. Yes. And even though, you know, I never got to a regional or a women's college world series, but like I had my versions of that, Absolutely. you know, like I never got to play Florida though. Like that's like one thing that just like <laughs> blew my mind. I'm like, everybody gets to play Florida. Why did no. we not play Florida? Like we played ASU. You know played I never played everyone. Oklahoma. They played Oklahoma in the championship series my fifth year. So I was there, oh. but not as a player, yeah. which was crazy. That's I'm like, how have we so... never played Oklahoma? <laughs> Isn't it funny that you like remember those things yeah. vividly? Like, why do we not play? But no, I think that's so awesome that you talk about that because um, there's some athletes I work with that are like, I hate competition. Mm. And, and in their mind, they're like, well, I hate them because I always lose. So right. I think it was because you were just exposed to competition at such a young age and you were like thrown into it mm-hmm. that maybe allowed you to start loving competition. But have you always been this way, loving competition? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember this, but this is something weird that my mom always talks about like when she thinks back to my like when I was really little is we, she tells a story about how I was like in my car seat, like a booster seat. I don't know. And she was driving and I don't know why we had a trash can in our car, probably because there was all these kids in the car. I don't know, but we had some trash can. I had a trash, something trash related in my hand and I threw it into this trash can into the back seat. I was like, yes. And so my mom, like I must've been like three or four or something. I don't remember it. My mom just tells the story and my mom, I guess looked at my dad and was like, "That's your competitor. That that's her." And I was like, "Mom, that's so weird." But like, so I think it's always been a little bit in me. But I've also, I don't know. The, my mom is a pro mom. Like, there's five of us, and she parents each of us uniquely and differently, and she's just so special. Um, so I think it's a combination of who I am by nature, but then also my mom just really fostered this like big big picture mentality. You know, mm-hmm. she's really good at kind of casting this vision of, okay, I, I see you, you can do this. Like if, like, if you have this goal, let's look at the baby steps to get there. And let's kind of like really believing in my big dreams while also being very realistic about like, okay, that's going to require X, Y, and Z. Are you willing? You know, so, but with that said, she, I don't like with that big picture mentality, it was always like, okay, if I lost in a competition, like, yeah, that sucks. Like nobody likes to lose, but being able to take that and learn from it. So I feel like I learned that skill at a very young age of really making losses and failures count and not just be something that like weighs on me and like, ugh, I didn't, I didn't like that. That, that was no fun. Da, da, da. And as opposed to just being like, okay, well, I need to be better here and here. Like people talk about the car ride home and mm. I know you guys, you have a lot of parents and coaches and stuff listening. And it was, I mean, there was plenty of doozies where it's like, I cannot believe I have to sit here for 30 minutes and listen to my mom. I get it. (laughs) Everybody, we've all experienced that. But I don't know. It was always like, let's talk about what you did well. Because I'm, I love praise. (laughs) I'm so bad. Same. Who doesn't love it? (laughs) I know, but I get like, mom, tell me what I did good, please. (laughs) So 
it would start with that, like kind of, oh, you did this really well or this really well. And then she'd say something like, okay, what do you think you could have done better about? Or she'd say something like, what about that bunt? And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I know I was too slow or I didn't set my feet. And just kind of create an environment where it was okay to talk about what we did wrong, you know? And it was, what? okay, not so much like you messed up, you suck. It was like, what would you have done differently? Or what do you want to do next time? And so kind of flipping the script on like the long car ride home, which there's always, there's always going to be a couple bad ones, you know, where, of you, course. Like, you don't where you're crying about it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Please just leave me alone. But I don't know. My mom's just always been really good at, you know, being our biggest fan. And then also because she's our biggest fan, because we know that she believes in us and we know that like she wants everything that we've ever said that we want for us, that like that kind of gives her the like the privilege, the opportunity, the the permission is what I'm trying to say, like to kind of speak that criticism into our lives as well. But it's, if it's all criticism, your kid's not going to respond. If right. it's all bad, heavy, they're not going to take it. But if it's the praise, you know, the good stuff or just like positive criticism where it's like, hey, I saw what you were trying to do there, but this is what we actually want to do. Then the criticism is easier to take. I don't know. Yeah. There was that um, that video of LeBron with his kid a couple years ago that went viral, or maybe it was last year, where he's talking to his son about yeah. his game. And I remember mm-hmm. watching that being like, that's what it's supposed to be like. Here's LeBron, like one of the best basketball players to ever play the game. And he's at his kid's game and he goes, oh, hey, like you did so great on this, this, and this, and this. And he's hype. He's pumping him up. He's pumping him up. And he goes, hey, but on that one, like you got to you gotta give the ball up or whatever. I don't even know what he said. I don't really know basketball that well. But... <laughs> Just, I remember watching that and being like, that's what it's supposed to be like. The criticism is so much easier to take when you know that you're believed in, when you know that mm. the good things that you did are seen. Like the re- then it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I probably should have done that. Or, okay, yeah, maybe I'll do that next time. I just think it's, we have these like softball crazy parents and coaches sometimes that like it's coming from a place that wants your kid to get where they want to go and, and like achieve everything. But it's like, how are we how is it being received? It like has to be considered because they're kids. They like, they, they've got all other sorts of things going on and they're probably mm-hmm. already dealing with confidence issues just because of their age. So I don't know. My mom's always just done a really good job of being our biggest fan. And that because she's our biggest fan kind of gives her the permission to speak that other stuff into us as well. Yeah. It's so, I love that you just shared that testimony because so many kids approach me and they're like, I'm not confident. I'm not confident. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, do you have people instilling that confidence muscle in you? Because just like you love getting praise, just like me, if I'm being told you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, I'm going to like stop listening at some point because like, I didn't, I didn't get your attention with the hey, you did so well on this. Like, right. you tell me what I'm good at, you have all of my attention. <laughs> exactly, you know? that is it right there. That is it, like you yeah. tell me something great and okay, I'm listening, let's go. I say yeah. that to my husband because I'm a words of affirmation person if you yes. tell. And it's so funny because he's not. And so I'm like, when you tell me you're proud of me, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's proud of me. But if I tell him I'm proud of him, he's like, cool, thanks. You know, it's just kind of like knowing uh, yeah. yourself and therefore as a parent, knowing your kid like what how do they feel most loved how do they feel most seen Mm -hmm. and channeling that 
Yeah. You're talking about love languages, right? Yeah. Yeah. Words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. See, I took the quiz, but like, I think it was a biased answer when I did it. Cause I was just like, I think this is what I should put like, oh, instead of yeah. just like, you know, but yeah, it's interesting to see what people's love languages are, but, but it's so true. Like everybody is different. So mm-hmm. even these things that you're sharing, like this might not work well for a, a young boy absolutely like because I think boys are like no tell me the things like I want to know what I screwed up at yeah girls are like hang on if if you don't praise me for the hit then it's almost like the hit didn't happen you know and it's almost like I don't feel loved I don't feel like I like you can be proud of me like if you're not Mm -hmm. saying that you that I did something right and that's not it's not something that I feel like I don't want you to think, oh, only praise your kid. Because if, if you're only no, praising no. her, no, no. Then, then it's like an ego. Then like, yes. we don't want to mess with that. But like, it's, there's a balance. Absolutely. And your mom figured that out with you. She did. She's, I, like I said, she's a pro mom. She's just, she's so great. I just love her. Uh, she's yeah. coming to see me today, actually. Not, not that that is relevant to your podcast, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw you were posting that on your daily gratitudes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I'm sharing this because I think it's so important to do this. You like, we are in a time where there's so much chaos going on. Mm-hmm. We're literally recording this like two days after the election. Yeah. <laughs> uh, still no answer. Right. Um, but I think what people need right now is like that hope, you know, and just like looking for the good. Mm-hmm. So tell me why you started Daily Gratitudes, what they are, because okay. I'm hooked on them. I love them. And I think that they can truly change everyone, whether they're an athlete, a parent, or a coach. Well, I got it from this girl I went to school with. I actually didn't really know her very well in school. I knew her boyfriend, now husband, and she was a former athlete at UF and I follow her on Instagram and she started doing these Daily Gratitudes. And at first I was like, all right, cool. And I'd read them and thought it was fun. And she's like, She's so good at like doing it every day. I miss days all the time. I just get busy. But she started doing it. And what I loved most about it was the way she would articulate like these itty bitty things about her day. Like stuff like, oh, when the light hits my window just right and it makes this cool like shadow. I don't know. But it was just like, I remember reading them like, how cool is that to just like really look for stuff? And I messaged her about it a couple of times. She goes, no, it's been really cool. Like even on days, like when I really, I have to like work hard to get to 10 things. Mm-hmm. I, she's like, I feel like it helps me. And so I started doing it like a year and a half ago. And then I just got busy, started, you know, I just stopped. And then after AU, I came home and we just got a house and like all these, like, feel like big adult things are happening and I don't know why but I was feeling like this weird kind of like restless just like negative I'm like how could I possibly be negative right now like we like we just got our first house there's all these great things my husband worked so hard on this house while I was gone at AU to make it mm. like nice and I'm like how can I possibly sit here right now and not be just beaming with gratitude and so it was kind of like this check on myself of like okay don't really like where my head's at right now. I'm kind of feeling more negative. I'm a pretty positive person and I'm not really feeling that right now. So instead of just letting this go on, I'm like, let's just get back to daily gratitude. Let's like find little things every day. And I don't know. It was just kind of one, it was good for me to sort of like, just take that second to check myself be like, okay, Aubrey, you don't like this version of yourself. You don't want to be this person. So let's like not let this keep going. And then just kind of getting back in the rhythm of finding things to be grateful for. And sometimes it's really easy and sometimes it's like, uh, how am I going to get to 10 today? You know, and I start and, but it's, 
I don't know, noticing the little things. Like I put, I must put like having a cold glass of water on there, like multiple times, but I'm just like, gosh, I love cold water. Like I really am grateful for water. And yeah. so like stupid little things like that sometimes, sometimes they're big. I don't know, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm doing it again. And I think it's actually been good for me because I'm last few weeks. I really feel like I've kind of gotten back to myself being positive and happy and just like, I don't know. I just kind of noticed in myself. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't you. You don't want to be this. So let's do something about it. Yeah. Do you feel like the days where you can't come up with 10 are the days that you needed it most? Like you needed the gratitude to look for it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I like that it makes me sit and think, you know, Mm. like really, even if I'm looking for something and I'm like searching for it and I find myself sometimes like I'll be sitting down and I've got my phone and I'm sitting here and I'm like, look like physically looking like what in this room am I grateful for like but it really makes me sit down and think about it and I don't know it it makes me those ones usually take longer but I in sitting in this feeling of like be grateful for longer Mm -hmm. that day so yeah yeah. and in a world where like things are moving so fast and you feel like boom 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 I need to go Mm -hmm. to the next thing yes just sitting back and just breathing for a second it allows you to like be a little bit more present, I think. Yeah. So, so because you started them, I was like, you know what? I need this right now. So I started doing them and I feel the same way. I'm like, some days where I'm like in my low point, you know, everybody's Mm -hmm. got like their highs and lows of the day. I'm like, oh, perfect. Time for a daily gratitude. Time Mm -hmm. to get my head right. Time to, to realize that there's a lot of beauty in front of me that I'm just missing. Exactly. Yeah. Hey all swooping in here real quick to tell you something I am super passionate about. It's an Always Grind hitters notebook. So Always Grind 365 is a company that I've partnered with. And because of the partnership, any of their products, you can use my code AshleyB at checkout to get 10% off. But I wanna tell you about this hitters notebook that I have. So I've given this out to every single in-person lesson that I've worked with and every single member of my Smash Tribe. Also, if you wanna join Smash Tribe or see what that's all about, head to www.ashleybtraining.com. But, If not, and you just want your hands on this epic notebook, I wanna tell you why it's going to change the game for your athlete. So at the very top, you write the date. And I think that's one of the most important things that an athlete can write down, especially if she's journaling about her experiences as a hitter, because she'll be able to see her notes from a year from now and say, wow, I've made tremendous progress. And from the beginning of this notebook to the end, your athlete's gonna be able to be like, whoa, look at all this stuff we've worked on. Look at all this stuff I've learned. Look how much better I've gotten. And that's the whole goal and purpose of tracking your progress. So this notebook does a great job of that. And it starts with the date at the very top. Then it goes into your focus of the day, which I believe is so important as a hitter, because if you're just going into KGMPP sessions, just hitting, there's no intention behind it. There's no focus. So if you need to get better at the inside pitch, that's gonna be your focus of the day. And then from there, you write down drills, any video analysis that you've done. And my personal favorite is on the backside, you're writing down what you did well that day, what you need to improve, and any notes from the day. So light bulb moments that went on, any great uh, tips that you've gotten from your hitting coach or wherever you were, that's the section where you do that. So this notebook can be found at www.alwaysgrind.com. And if you want 10% off this notebook, 
write Ashley B at checkout and you'll be able to get 10% off and your athlete's going to be able to take more ownership of her game. So get your hands on this. She is going to be able to see and track her progress when you use it. It is going to help your athlete become the very best hitter she possibly can. So lastly, alwaysgrind365.com is where you'll go to see that. I'll make sure it's in the show notes and use my code AshleyB for a 10% discount. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. I love that you also mentioned that you're a positive person and you Mm -hmm. basically are like, I'm not always positive. Right. I think I think we need to get this out there because we both get that compliment a lot, I'm sure. It's yes. like, you're always so positive. Like, how are you always so positive? And I'm like, mm-hmm. you don't realize I just yelled at my dog for peeing on the wall. Like, <laughs> I was very upset. So true. <laughs> like, but I, there's a lot of things that get me upset, but I don't know. It's like when you feel like you're, when, you, when you're someone who is inspiring others to become better versions of themselves. And we're about to talk about that with catching. Like you're one of the most selfless players <laughs> on the field, but I feel like it's an, it's a necessary trait to realize like how good you can be, but also like how good you can be for others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Talking about like being positive. Yeah. Yeah. Positivity. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like my mom would always joke with me. She's like, Aubrey, like you've got a little bit of a negative bend, you know, where it's like, mostly I'm positive all the time, but if I allow that negativity to like, kind of take hold of me it's not good so yeah just learning myself that's why stopping myself to start those daily gratitudes was important for me because I'm like okay I know that if I let this fester it's not going to be good um Mm. so it's it's part of me part of it for me is like I want I care very much about the teammate that I am and so what does my team need me to be and that kind of goes into what we're going to talk about with catching is that it's I was raised to be a good teammate, like first and foremost. And so my team needs me to be positive. All right. Sometimes that comes really naturally for some people. Sometimes you have a lot of negativity or sometimes like the time that we're living in right now, it's just easier to be negative. And so I'm going to choose to be positive because that's what my team needs right now. And so I think for me, it's been always important to have like my people that I can be really honest with. So like, cause I don't think it's being fake if I'm choosing to be positive when it might not really be how I'm feeling right now. But if that's what my team needs me to be, then I'm going to bring that. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to bring today. And then I'm going to have my, my roommate or maybe call my mom or, or my husband or, and allow myself to kind of like, I don't know. It's not really about venting. It's just like allowing myself the place to let that out so that it doesn't just snap out of me at other people because that's not what my team needs. My team needs me to be consistent. And we, I had a coach in college who used to tell me, me and one other person on the team, no bad days. And that seems kind of counterproductive because you're like, okay, well, everybody has bad days. Like that's a lot of pressure. But I like that responsibility personally. I take that on as being a leader. So it's for me, it was, yeah, my team can't afford for me and this other player he's talking to to have a bad day. Because of what we bring, like the, the role of our positivity, the role of our attitude and our effort every single day is that important. So I don't know. It was something that it's always kind of stuck with me where I'm like, okay, why does everybody else have to get to have bad days? But it's a part of responsibility and it's part of being a leader. And so for me, I take pride in that now of like, okay, yeah, no bad days. That doesn't mean if I have a bad day, I can't you know, go back to my room and call my mom and talk about 
my bad day, but I can't let my team that needs me to be this today. I can't let them see my bad day because then it's going to, it's going to permeate into the whole group. Right. I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah. Probably because like your teammates rely on you to have that energy and to have the positivity. Cause like they know that you're that person where when they have a bad day, they can kind of talk to you about it. But also being that person as well, it sometimes takes a toll on you because Mm -hmm. if you're taking in all of everybody else's bad days, it kind of like, it makes you have to, I don't know. It takes a lot of energy out of you. It does. I've I've felt that. Yeah. I've talked to Haley McClenney about that too, because she's one of the most special athletes I've ever played with. I mean, not only her physical abilities, but like the way she brings energy every single day. But we've mm-hmm. talked about it too. Like, it's a lot of pressure sometimes. So you have yeah. to have your people. You know, you have to have your people that you can be like, I don't really have it today. You know? And so, like, me and her have had conversations like that. Like, you know what? I'm just kind of in a funk today. And then for me, the person that I am, I'm like, okay, I need to step up today to kind of counteract Halo. Okay. And not mm-hmm. because she can't do it, but because she deserves that grace because she brings that every single day. You know, and yeah. so rather than everybody feeling, oh, Halo, Halo's not having it today, or she's not, she, you know, she doesn't seem the same. Okay, I'm going to level up mine so that we're not missing anything today. Yeah. And so I think just being aware of people and like just kind of like keeping a pulse on those people on your team that are positive, that are, that seem the same every day, that seem like nothing ever bothers them. It's like, that's not human. That's not right. Like, that's not normal for nothing to ever bother somebody. But they choose to show up every day and that's fantastic. You love that about them, but kind of keep an eye on them. If like, okay, something seems off with them, check in with them and then maybe give them the grace and level up yourself for that day to help take some of that pressure off. Cause I mean, you kind of talked about it. It can wear on you being mm-hmm. that person who shows up the same every day and it's an important yeah. role, but it can definitely wear on you. Absolutely. Ah, oh, I love that. So this is something that I've, Try to explain it. I'm not very good at it. So I want to see if you can. Okay. Um, people are always saying, okay, so in the box, you know, when, or actually let's put you behind the plate because that's probably where you're the most competitive and like yes. <laughs> you, you love that that spot, right? But are you smiling back there or are you comp- like, what's the difference between, you know, bubbly Aubrey versus competitive Aubrey? Because mm. I feel like it's almost like turning into an alter ego when you're on the field sometimes. I actually, so I don't totally feel like an alter ego though. I'm not really that person. I am okay. most competitive in softball. Like I'm not the person who is like competitive in everything I do. Like if we're mm-hmm. playing cards, unless, unless you're a bad winner, if you're a bad winner, that fires me up and I want to kick your butt. But yes. if it, we're just like playing a game, I'm not the person who has to win at everything. But in softball, I am like, turn on every competitive thing in me. But I don't really feel like it's an alter ego for me it's more just like a very focused me like different mm. parts of who I am come out because I'm still very bubbly. I'm still like laughing a lot. I play better when I'm loose and just kind of enjoying myself and having fun. I'm a very smiley player. I know it's always, I've always been kind of perceived as like weaker or not as tough because I'm a happy player. <laughs> but I'm just like, I don't, it's not me to have that mean face when I compete. So I want to be who I am, but I will say that there's a fieriness, like, especially when things aren't going well. Okay. And I'm like, okay, my brain is going like, okay, how am I going to turn this around? How am I going to get the pitcher to hit her spots? How am I going to like so much of my job involves other people 
that it's not just most of what fires me up is about other people. Like, what do I need to do to get them there? And so my it's more that my brain doesn't stop. And I feel like I get hyper-focused as opposed to like a different version of myself. But I still, I really like, I like laughing on the field. And I feel like, uh, I feel like the culture of our sport has shifted mm. from what it used to be. It used yeah. to be like intense, like mean girl kind of thing. And like, that's what made you tough. And the culture of our sport has changed. And this is a whole, I have a whole theory on this, but it has to do with not being in the Olympics mm. and not being in the Olympics for the last 12 years or whatever, that people shifted their focus a little bit to enjoying the journey more. Like, yes, we all have goals. Yes. Like, okay, I wanted, from when I was in fourth grade, I, went, I knew I wanted to play in college and those goals, the where changed, you know, the level that I wanted to play at changed and I had those goals. And so it wasn't so much that the intensity shifted. I just think that we all, we all just kind of adapted to the normal of, okay, college is pretty much it. And yeah, we had a pro league, but it was like, you know, the security of the pro league was kind of always up and down and struggle or just not many people went pro after college. So it's kind of like this combination of like, this is, this could be it. Like, we're not like guys where we can go into the minor leagues and pursue this professional career. And you know, I'm not saying minor league baseball is like a easy job by any means, but like the pro, the, the idea of being pro for a long time, no matter what level you're at, seems more attainable. Mm-hmm. And college for a lot of us is it. And I know that sounds weird coming from me, but I just want to be realistic about that. And I'm, I think it's changing. I think that there's a lot more women like you, like myself, that are passionate about extending the lifespan of a softball player or the career of a life of a softball player because we see how important it is and we see how fun it is and we want women to have opportunities going beyond college. But for a while, college was sort of like the peak, at least yeah. in like viewership, you know, fans, all that. Like you got going in college and you're like, oh, this is cool. Like I'm playing for something. And I just think that it's shifted to really enjoying the journey and enjoying like the people you're around and that made it a little sillier. And I don't know, I don't really like using the word silly, but it's like, it just shifted. And I think it has to do with, it wasn't, not everyone was vying for this Olympic thing because it wasn't possible. And so it's just kind of shifted and I I like it. I think it's cool. I think it, I think you see more personality now with athletes. I mean, I think of like Sis Bates right? Mm. Who, she's a stud and she just looks like she's having so much fun. I have sisters who are 16. They're going to be 16 and they love watching Sis Bates and because she smiles, because she looks happy when she's playing, you know? Yeah. So I think it's created something that makes the game more attainable. You know, you've got these little kids that just, they're playing because they love it. And then they see people, women in college who just look like they love it. And so it seems more attainable. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not so like, I don't look like her. I don't, I don't compete like her. It's wow. She just looks like she's having fun with her friends and she's really good and she's competing her butt off, you know? So the whole culture of our sport has changed and I I like it. I think it's fun, but I also know that there's a fine line between just having fun and competing. And so learning to enjoy the competition is the sweet spot in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, You said that so well, because Again, like I, I was always told, like, why are you always smiling on the field? But like, how are you so intense in the box? Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're like, how do you do that? And so the way I looked at it, I was like, yeah, maybe it's an alter ego because like, I don't know, like I'm not smiling in the box. That doesn't right. work for me. 
But I am the one as a first baseman. I was almost took that catcher role. Like when my pitcher, Lily, who was my best friend, like when she was not with it, like I would go up to her and I'd like have my glove over my face and say something silly. Like I almost said something that I probably shouldn't have said, but like, <laughs> I don't know, something to make her smile, you know, right. like, because that's the game. Like when, she, yeah. when she's like too intense and, and you can tell like it's getting to her, like something's rattling in her head. Mm-hmm. Like that's where I'm like over there, like cracking a joke, you yes. know? And I think, I think it's important to play loose. And, and that was something that I also did as well, but I'm glad you mentioned that it's more of a hyper focus, mm-hmm. if anything. Yeah. And if anything, those are the moments that I like the most. Like the games where you win by 10 runs, like they're not really that fun. (laughs) No, they're not. not. Right. Cause like your brain's just like kind of just there and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, we're winning by a lot. Like, what'd you have for breakfast? Like, I I don't know. (laughs) Like, that's, that's not why I showed up. Like, I showed up to compete. I showed up to, you know, have a chess match against this pitcher and like make it a tough battle and go through a strikeout and realize, hey, you're not getting me again. Like mm. those are like the most fun moments. And so I want to get into more catching talk with you because I know this is your entire passion. And, you know, and the first thing I want to bring up too is you are not, you are not what most people envision a catcher to look like. No, no, I'm not. Right. Like I, I have parents that are like, my, my daughter wants to catch, but she's so small. I'm like, okay, I need Aubrey Monroe on the podcast to talk about this. Yes. Because you were behind the plate at six years old, probably the tiniest on the field, still getting it done. So mm-hmm. please tell me why being small, quote unquote, doesn't mean you can't be a great catcher. And it's funny because I like small can be like viewed two different ways. Small, like right. short, she's not big enough or small, like like I'm too lanky and too skinny. I've been told yes. I look fragile. I was told at 12 years old that I was not strong enough to play D1. I was told if I had a dollar... For every time someone has asked me, what position do you play? And I say, I'm a catcher. And they're like, aren't you too whatever to be a catcher? Or, oh, you look like a pitcher, a first baseman. And I'm like, no, sir, I'm a catcher. <laughs> like, I would be a rich woman, okay? But I don't get a dollar for all of this, so I'm not a rich woman. But I just think that's the beauty of our sport, that you do not have to fit a mold to be a good softball player. You might have different strengths than somebody else. Like not everybody is going to be a power hitter like Lauren Chamberlain or Lauren Hager. Like I used to be put in Lauren's hitting group in college and I'd be like, why am I in this group? Why, why am I hitting with her? I don't want to do this. Like, because I'm like muscling it to the gap and she's like easily hitting it way over the trees. And I'm like, yeah, she makes everything just look effortless. So, I mean, she's just gifted, you yeah. know? And it's like, okay, I don't belong in this group, but I'm like, it's part of being confident in what you bring and what you're good at. Um, And I know that's hard when you're little, like you don't really know yet, but the beauty of our sport is that like, unlike in basketball, where if you are tall, that's a huge advantage or swimming. Sometimes your shoulder, like your build will make you a better swimmer. Um, There's a lot of like sports that have these things that are a definite advantage. And in softball, like, yeah, being super strong is an advantage for power hitting. But, you know, I feel like, me being really lanky is my advantage for my arm and why I throw so well, which is like the thing about me that everybody like remembers is how I throw. So I'm like, but that's because I'm lanky and I get whip. It's not because I'm strong. And so it's, I don't like when people try to put kids in a box because I was that kid that was told that I wasn't strong enough, couldn't do this, couldn't do that. But I think I'm super flexible. So I can, just because I'm 5'10", I can get to be like this big you know, and it's just like Mm -hmm. figuring out what works for you. And if you're willing to 
put in the work to like maximize your body's potential and mm. to learn the skill set, you can be great at our sport. And so I don't know. I, I just, there's obviously like there's things about, okay, if you're lefty, like you're probably not going to be playing third or short. Like it's not a great idea, but, but I mean, somebody's done it before. So if yeah. you love it, make it happen. I don't know. I just think it's, I don't like it. I don't like when people try to put kids in a box. Like it's one thing if you're just like, okay, you're not putting in the work to be good at that. That's different. Or you're not figuring out how to maximize your body, like, or understanding the, the player that you are. I'm no, like, defense is obviously my jam, and offense has kind of been this steady journey for me, this, like, figuring myself out and learning how to be who I am. But if I'm trying to hit home runs all the time, I tank. Like, it's just, it's not, I don't have the power for that. I'm the type of hitter who, if it happens, it happens, and that's awesome. So I have to focus my energy to maximize my body, to think more gap to gap, to just try to barrel the ball up. But so it's kind of this process of one, putting in the work to get good at something. And then as you get older, as you kind of learn yourself, as you really come into your own body, maximizing the things that make you unique. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what it's all about. It's not about fitting a mold because our sport doesn't have a mold. Except it's speed. Speed is always good to have. Speed is the one thing that it's like, it's always a bonus. Exactly. <laughs> I don't have totally. it. <laughs> well, I mean, well, then you have those people that are super fast but aren't smart. So it's like, also all true. Right. So you got to have the whole package. But it's almost like you knew that Ashley Burkhart training slogan was, we're not here to fit a mold. I love it. <laughs> I need to I need to figure out my marketing on that when we yes. talk about your podcast airing. Um <laughs> No, I but, love that because nobody thinks about it. Yeah. They all think, oh, I if to be, I don't know. I just think of like all the different types of pitchers I've had. I've had tall pitchers. I've had short pitchers. I've had little pitchers. I've had bigger pitchers. And it's like, I had I, almost every pitcher I caught at Florida was an All-American and they all look different. Mm. Figure out how to maximize your body. Delaney Gorley, she's small. Okay. She's shorter, but she had a dirty changeup. Okay. Lauren Hager was a power pitcher who over her career, like learned how to really pitch. Like she really, by her, by her senior year, she wasn't just throwing hard. She was picking people apart. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just figure out what makes you, you and run with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that you is always evolving too. Yes. It's like, I mean, you can think of anything like for hitting. I remember going through my career in college. It was like freshman year, the outside pitch ate me up. Oh my gosh, don't want to touch it. And then I started practicing it and getting good at it. And then I'm like, okay, well, the high and end now is a little tougher. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so it's like kind of just like figuring out where you are right now and playing to your strengths. And I feel like it goes for any position on the field. You always want to play your strengths and you know that your arm is yours. And that arm that you have is your strength. So like why try to be like another catcher who can do something else great when right. you can be yourself? Right. I think that's that's all about identity. It's all about, you know, that's playing confidently is knowing yourself. Yes. So and you do it so well. Uh it's been I'm a so long pumped. journey. It's been a very long journey. Yeah. Like you've worked your whole career to get to this point mm-hmm. to to soon be playing in the Olympics in 2021. Bye. Which is so exciting. Gosh, Aubrey is the absolute best. Don't you just love her? I loved this conversation so much. 
to where I was like, you know what, we gotta split it in half because there's just so much goodness inside here. But what you can look forward to next week on the pod with Aubrey are things like catching itself. So she goes really deep into her passion for catching, what she believes the biggest role is for catchers to have, It entails a lot of selflessness and all the intangibles. So I love this part. She talks about how her mom would give her praise over things that she would do that nobody else saw. So I thought that was super, super awesome. So you guys will tune into that part next week. And we get to her Church on the Dirt community. So if you guys don't know what Church on the Dirt is, she's very, very passionate about her faith. She's also talking about how it actually got her out of one of the biggest ruts she's ever been in as a player. So hearing that story and also her final five to thrive questions, of course, are just money and gold and so thoughtful. I can't wait for you guys to see next week's episode with Aubrey. So with that, I'll see you guys same time, same place next week. 